Our allegiance to God requires we trust God despite how situations look. That challenges faith and forces us to accept that people won't always understand, support, or even reciprocate the good that we do for them on God's behalf. Hi, I'm Femi Asabin, a preacher for the Church of Christ, and in today's sermon, Go With God in Faith, we will look at this concept utilizing David's experiences in 1 Samuel 23 to see how God protected David despite the opposition that he faced from others inside of his camp and outside of his camp. Hopefully, this sermon will help us to learn to rely on God no matter where we are or what we are called to do in faith. A lot of times we find ourselves, when we follow God, put in situations to where we're alone, when we follow God, we're in situations to where we have to really rely on God to deliver us. Last week we looked at how David was the only person with faith confronted in this context to where there was a giant taunting a whole army with people who you would think would stand up and face Goliath. Now, this week, we're going to look at David a little bit past that. He's fought for Saul. He has gained some victories for Israel. But the same king that he sought for did not return the kindness he demonstrated to him. And now he wants to kill him because he recognizes that in David is his future replacement. Because he didn't follow God. And Samuel came and told him that God has given the kingdom to your neighbor he recognizes that there's something in David that was going to take him off the throne and put David up there. And so by his own efforts, he thinks that he can stop that. And so we're now in the book of Samuel in the lifespan of David to where he has been faithful to Saul. Saul has not returned the kindness and now he's trying to kill him. So David has fled and he's left Saul's presence and he has this army with him, this band of people and he's out on the run. Not because of anything he's done wrong, but because God has given him this appointment as the next king of Israel and the current king wants to kill him. And what I want us to glean from this story is that no matter where we're at in life, the problems that we're going through, if we're going out with God in faith, good will come to us because God will ensure that it happens, even if it's in bad contexts. We don't expect people to reciprocate the kindness that we extend to them. Matter of fact, that's not even the reason why we're kind. We're not kind to people so that they can be kind to us. We're kind to people so that we live as the people that God calls us to be. And then when we do that, we recognize that even in contexts to where people follow God, we might have to make decisions to where we're standing with God and ourselves and exemplify the faith that we're all supposed to exude. The story, the, the passage that we're going to use to kind of glean these thoughts from is found in 1 Samuel 23. And in 1 Samuel 23, we're going to read it in its entirety, but basically what happens is David hears that there's a problem. These Philistines have attacked the city. God tells him, go and protect that city. He protects it, 
And then these same people are looking to give David up over to his enemy in Saul, who's looking to kill him. And one would expect, one, why would God tell you to go fight for a people that are going to turn on you? It don't make sense of God. Well, God can protect you in that. One would expect that if David goes in and, and saves these people from their enemies, that they're going to save him from their enemy. But people don't always operate like that. And one would expect that David's army would trust David to go out and do what David says. But things don't always happen like that. And as God's people, we have to learn, we have to expect not to receive our blessings, our strength, our encouragement, always from God's people, but to look to God for his guidance, for his protection, for his reassurance, so we can be who he wants us to be no matter what situation we find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. 1 Samuel 23. When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are looting the threshing floors. He inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack the, these Philistines? The Lord answered him, Go, attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, Here in Judah we are afraid. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? Once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, Go down to Keilah, for I am going to give the Philistines into your hand. So David and his men went to Keilah, fought the Philistines, and carried off their livestock. He inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Keilah. Now Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had brought the ephod down with him when he fled to David at Keilah. Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah, and he said, God has delivered him into my hands, for David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with gates and bars. And Saul called up all his forces for battle to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. When David learned that Saul was plotting against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod. David said, Lord, God of Israel, your servant has heard definitely that Saul plans to come to Keilah and destroy the town on account of me. Will the citizens of Keilah surrender me to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Lord God of Israel, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will. And again, David asked, will the citizens of Keilah surrender me and my man to Saul? And the Lord said, they will. So David and his man, about 600 in number, left Keilah and kept moving from place to place. When Saul was told David had escaped from Keilah, he did not go there. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the deserts of Zip. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. And while David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father surely will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. 
The Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah and said, Is not David hiding among us in the thresholds of Horish and the hill of Hakalah, south of Jeshimon? Now, your majesty, come down whenever it pleases you to do so, and we will be responsible for giving him into your hands. Saul replied, The Lord bless you for your concern for me. Go and get information. Find out where David usually goes and who has seen him there. They tell me he is very crafty. Find out all about the hiding places he uses and come back to me with definite information. Then I will go with you. If he is in the area, I will track him down among all the clans of Judah. So they set out and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the desert of Moan in the Arabah south of Jeshmon. Saul and his men began to search, and when David was told about it, he went down to the rock and stayed in the desert of Moan. When Saul heard this, he went into the desert of Moan in pursuit of David. Saul was going along one side of the mountains, and David and his men were on the other side, hurrying to get away from Saul. As Saul and his forces were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a messenger came to Saul saying, Come quickly, the Philistines are raiding the land. Then Saul broke off his pursuit of David and went to meet the Philistines. That is why they called this place Selah Ahamalakoth. And David went up from there and lived among the strongholds of En-Gadi. You see... All David is trying to do is be the man that God called him to be. We understand that David's going out with this assurance, this faith, that when he was anointed as a boy, when he was called from being a shepherd, that God said, you will be king. And he understands that. He understands that the promise that God has for him is secure and that he doesn't have to worry about not receiving the kingdom. But what he does have to go through is life. And what David does have to go through is the struggles, the trials that life puts upon us at times when we live faithful. So we hear about David fleeing from God's presence. And what does he go? He goes out into the wilderness and he hears that God's people are being attacked in Keilah. Now, some would say, David, mind your own business. David, that's not your fight. David, you have a lot on your plate already. You have Saul that you have to worry about coming to attack you. But what does David say? No, those are God's people. And let me ask God what he wants me to do in this situation. And what God does is he tells David, go fight the Philistines in Keilah. Because they are attacking my people. They have took what I have blessed them with in their providence and their the, the grain that they have gathered from the threshing and the food they've got for their harvest. And they do need somebody to deliver them from the hands of their enemies. And David, I have anointed you to be king and I'm going to bless you to be victorious over those people. Now, one would think. His army followed him out there. That his army would go with David wherever he went. Because they entrusted him. But what really happens? The men that entrusted their lives to David are scared. And they're not really willing to go out and fight with David. So what does David have to do? Again, ask God 
do you want me to go and fight these people? You see, at times we find ourselves in situations to where it doesn't appear from a human perspective that what God wants us to do is the best thing to do. We find ourselves at times to where we're called to do something to where everybody else around us doesn't have faith or everybody else around us is scared to do it. But what God says is go out and do it and I will make you victorious. It's not the fact that David has these 600 men that he's going to be victorious. It's not the fact that that David is even a soldier in the Israelite army. The fact is that God told him to do it. And God's going to guarantee the victory. So what does David do? He trusts this. And in our lives, we, as God's people, are called to trust God. To tune down all the noise in this world, to, to disregard all the distractions that would cause us to look at situations to where God is calling us to be faithful and say, I'm going to exemplify faith. Philistines are a nation. David has a band of, dare I say, rebels who have disjoined themselves from the nation of Israel and banded themselves with one of its mighty warriors. 600 men against the nation. And God calls them to go and fight and protects his people. Why do David have the faith that he does? Because he knows that God's with him, even if nobody else is. Even if nobody else will follow, God is with David because David is with God. And so what David does is he asks God, what you want me to do? And he does it. And those men come, and they're successful. And when we learn to have the faith that David has, we'll learn to listen to God even when everybody else is scared. Even when everybody else is looking at the Philistines are numerous and more mighty than us. And I don't want to get killed in this battle. And we could put a bunch of reasons to why we're fearful to do what God wants us to do. But there's only one reason why we would do what God asks us to do. And that's because we have faith in God. And that faith would tell us that God is going to deliver us no matter what the circumstances look like. So just think, where David starts off, he has the confidence to go fight Goliath because he's conquered a lion and a bear, taking care of sheep. He has the faith to go fight the Philistines because he's conquered Goliath in a battle where nobody else stepped up. All because God said, I'm going to make you king. I'm going to provide for you. You are my anointed. I'm going to rescue you from the arms of danger. And God has proved himself to be true. And so when David goes out and he fights the Philistines for Keilah, David is rescued. Not only there, but also when Saul is coming and pursuing David, all throughout this chapter, we read that David was pursuing Saul, and all he does is get away from Saul. It's not because he's scared. It's because he recognizes that I'm not going to fight God's people. 
Later he'll come and say, I'm not going to lay my hands on the Lord's anointed. David recognizes not only who he is, but who Saul is. And he's saying, I am not going to fight against my fellow brother. No matter how hard they attack me, I'm going to be the person that God called me to be. And I'm going to avoid that fight. And I'll fight other fights. I'll fight the Philistines. I'll go out and I'll attack those who are against God's people, standing up to bring glory and honor to God because I recognize that God's going to give me the victories, but I will not. I will not cause confusion in Israel and go out and fight God's people unless that's what God calls me to do. God didn't call him to do that here. He protects him in all of that. And when we understand like David understood that we were anointed by God at our baptism, we're given a promise that nobody can take away from us, no matter how hard they try to, that God will supply us the victory. We could be who God wants us to be, no matter where we're at, and no matter how many people are scared. Because God will provide a way out. He's in the desert, evading Saul. He's on the mountain on the other Saul. While Saul's armies are coming, David's armies are fleeing. He's hiding in caves, and Saul cannot find him. He even goes to a city, and I'm not even sure if David is aware of what the people did, the Ziphites did, and when they said that David's out here. But whatever they did, they couldn't overcome what God was doing. So David is safe. And it even gets to the point to where God sends the Philistines to attack Saul's army and Saul has to go. And I think that's, that's God's protection over David. You see, when we focus on being who God wants us to be, he will provide ways out for us to where we don't really have to confront those battles that God doesn't give us. The fights he tells us to fight, go fight. Go out in faith. It doesn't matter if nobody is with you. Do what God says. He'll protect you. Knowing that these other battles that are too big for us, that are not ours, God will provide a way away from it. So Saul, no matter how hard he tries to pursue David, he just cannot overtake him. And no matter what he does to try to kill David, he will not because God says, I've taken the kingdom from you and I've given it to your neighbor who is more worthy and all David has to do is go out in faith trusting God will provide a way for him and in trusting that God will provide a way for him he doesn't rely on the support of those who are with him how easy would it have been for David to say you know what I know God told me to go but these men are scared and I'm not going to do it you know where he would have found himself at? Like Saul. Remember, Saul lost the kingdom because two instances, especially pertaining to worship, what Saul did was he consented to the people. The first time Saul was going to go out to battle against the Philistines, and he was told by Samuel to wait seven days until I come, and I will tell you what to do. He waits. And then because the people are scared and start leaving him, he offers a sacrifice to God, which Samuel says, what have you done? 
You were supposed to wait for me. So in this context of where he's supposed to be worshiping God, he succumbs to the will of the people because he's afraid of what the people are doing and doesn't demonstrate faith in what God told him to do. The opposite of what David does. The second time when Saul loses the kingdom for sure is when the Amalekites were told to be destroyed totally. And what happens? Saul tells Samuel, I destroyed him. And he says, what's all this bleeding that I hear? These sheep in the background. And he says, I was scared, so I kept the best for the people. The people will always lead us astray. We have to follow God. Even when the people have something else that is motivating them. Because we look at this world and we recognize that a lot of times the people will say they want good. But what they want is what benefits them. And what God is calling us to, it looks like at times it's impossible to accomplish. It's hard to go through, but it will benefit us because he will guarantee our success. So we have to learn to quiet the noise from the people to hear the message from God. And we might be alone in doing that. We might find we're the only ones at our jobs. We might find we're the only ones in our city. At times, we might be the only ones in our household. But if we're being led by God, no matter who is against us, God will make sure that we are victorious in the measure that he has promised us. We're going to have troubles. But we have to learn to rely on God in all of it. And when you doubt, I would suggest you do what God, uh, David did. Which is, go ask God. And ask him again because God's word is not going to change. And he's going to assure you the victory when you go out in faith. But when we go do what God calls us to do, even when that's for the benefit of others, who do we look for our reward from? From them? Nah. One would expect the citizens of Keilah to say, David has rescued us from the enemy, so we're going to protect him from his. And when we go out with that understanding, we find ourselves in a lot of situations to where we feel bitter against people, to where we view people in such a light that we're no longer trusting that God can help us because we have to ensure that we won't get used, that we won't get taken advantage of, that we won't be manipulated. Even when God tells us to be faithful, to be to go out and to do his will, we say, no, God, because if I do something for this person, these people, then they won't respond appropriately and they'll give me over to the hands of my enemy. They'll, just, they'll put me in a bad situation and I'm not going to do that. Not even for you, God, because we're not trusting God. But what does David do? He's not bitter towards the people of Keilah. He doesn't go out and attack them. He doesn't. He doesn't even pray that they are destroyed. He just gets up and goes. He expects no return for the good he did to them. 
This is especially exemplified with David not fighting Saul. In our minds, we would have been, David would have been justified if when Saul first threw the javelin at David while he's playing the harp, that David gets up and goes and fight him. You think that David could have defeated Saul in a one-on-one battle? Who knows? He killed Goliath, who was a giant of a man. He was anointed to be the second king after Saul. So he might have been able to, 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 to get the best of Saul. But what does he do? He understands who he is before God. And understanding who he is before God, he doesn't allow himself to become embittered toward the person who he's showing love to. Saul doesn't reciprocate the love that David has shown. David has gone out and fought the Philistines numerous times. At one time, Saul, trying to get David killed, says, you will have my daughter's hand in marriage if you go get two, or get a hundred foreskins of the Philistines and bring them back. What does Saul, David do? He brings back 200. But why did Saul tell him to do that? Because he saw that God was with David and he said, I'm not going to destroy him, but the, the enemy will, the Philistines will. So let me put him in a position to where he is in front of much danger so that his enemies can kill him. I think David knew this because Saul had thrown a javelin at him. Saul had told David's very own son, Jonathan, that your father wants to kill me. David was not unaware of the fact that Saul had a disdain towards him because he was anointed to be the next king. But that did not cause David to go out and attack Saul. It even allowed David to go out and follow God's will and benefit the kingdom for Saul's sake because he was following God. And when we function with that understanding, we will be okay. No matter what we do for people, no matter what benefit we are to somebody else's lives, even if they hate us, if we show them love for the sake of Christ, we'll be okay. We don't seek them to reciprocate it. We don't do good for people to do good for us. It's like our approach to giving out holiday baskets. We don't do that so people will come to church. We don't do it so that they'll write a check for the church. We just do that because we're trying to show people love and extend an opportunity for their hearts to be open to receive the message of Christ. If they receive it, we're grateful. If they don't, we're still grateful that we got to participate with God in shining a light in this world. So when we give to others, we do it with the understanding of we're doing it to glorify God. This is not a, a transaction to where I give to you, you give to me. Because when we do it like that, what did God say? Jesus, his very words. When the Pharisees pray in public these long prayers and when they give in public these offerings so people can see you have your reward for man but not from God we want our reward from God so what we do is we do everything 
not expecting people to reciprocate it, but expecting that God will participate with us because we have shown faith and he will bring us the blessings that only he can provide. Kela can't save David, but God can. No matter how strong and fortified that city is, it cannot provide the protection that God can. And when we recognize that, that our protection does not come from anything, any entity in this world or our relationships from people with with organizations, with structures that are based upon a worldly standard, then we can go out with faith and be who God calls us to be knowing that we will be protected by God. So we don't function in such a way that dishonors our relationship with God, but we honor it no matter who we are in front of. We do good for people, not because of what they can do for us, but because of what God has done, what he's going to do for us. And we don't allow the crowds to intimidate us not to show faith. We trust in God in all of it. David exemplifies that. And as we read what David went through, we are encouraged by the fact that God has taken this boy from a humble beginning and made him the king. We can see ourselves in the example that God has. He's taken him from nothing a meager job watching over sheep and giving him a promise to be the greatest person on earth at that time I say and we have a similar promise that no matter where we come from in life that when we are baptized we have an inheritance and we have an adoption to where we will be the children of God. And what does he tell the disciples? John the Baptist was the greatest of man. But even he was least than the least of those in the kingdom of heaven. So when we recognize who God is and what he's calling us to, we are emboldened, we're strengthened by his spirit to be what God wants us to be because we know that we'll have an inheritance that is for sure, that cannot be taken by anybody or anything that we go in this life through because God's going to guarantee it. So we don't worry about the things we have to go through for God. We don't look at the people in which we're around to determine if we're faithful. We don't even look at the people to see if they're going to give us back to the same measure that they gave us. We do what God wants us to do because we know that God will bring us into his eternal presence. That's not always going to be easy. And you guys could probably attest to that more than I could. We're not always going to have everybody around us or encouraging us. And we all can attest to that in times in our lives to where we had to make decisions to follow God even when other people was telling us that there's a better option. That there's an easier road to travel that's not going to cause as much loneliness, as much problems, as much struggle. 
But when we found ourselves secured in our relationship with God, where God's trying to call us all to, we learned to down to turn down the noise of the world. Not look at the conditions of our situation. And know, and know that when we do what God tells us, we will be where God is bringing us to. For David, that was the king of Israel. And if you just look at his life, at this one moment in time, you'll say, how can God do that? So don't ever look at your life at one moment in time at a struggle and say, how can God give me the promises that he's going to give me? Because he will, if we have faith. And that's all we have to hold on to. And that'll encourage us to do what we need to do in each and every moment. As we talked about in Bible class, it's about a way of life. It's not a checklist. And the example we follow is God. Knowing that he loves us. And he has given his son Jesus Christ to exemplify that love. And when we allow that to be what we follow, we'll land where Jesus landed, on the right hand of God, eternally. And we'll know each other as God knows us. And this will not even matter no more. The struggles will have all been worth it. And we will be eternally with those who have a slight-minded heart for God. And won't have to worry about nothing. So my encouragement, deepen your faith. No matter where you're at in life, deepen your faith. Because there's going to be times each of us will encounter to where we have to trust God and God alone. And that's okay, because God is working in all of us. But when we do that, God's going to deliver us. And just be the type of people that just do good, because that's what God tells us to do. At one point in the Sermon on the Mount, God said, Jesus says, somebody ask, will you give it to them? They say, walk a mile, walk two. They ask for your jacket, give them your, they ask for your shirt, give them your jacket too. Why? Mm-hmm. Because God can give you all of that stuff back and more. And when you learn to do good for goodness sake and not worried about how a person is using you, manipulating you, getting over on you, God will prove himself faithful. Now, we have wisdom. I'm not saying don't go out naive and stupid. But what I am saying is go out in faith and do what God told you to do, even if it don't make sense to nobody else. (coughs) And even if a person doesn't reciprocate. Because the God of heaven wants you to be there. And along your path, he's going to reassure you and show you that he's bringing you there. And David's a good example to look at. He didn't have an easy life, but he had a blessed life. Just like us. We might not be kings in this world, but we will be with the king in the next.
I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.